Welcome to the Skill Stadium, a podcast for the skilled trades, where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals. And now, your host, Keith Williams. Hello, this is Keith Williams, host of the Skill Stadium podcast, episode 66. And today we are talking about careers in the skilled trades with the focus on construction. We're going to talk about how to get in the profession and we will share resources that can help people who are interested in learning more. You're going to hear from someone who has a lot of experience in this profession who will share relevant advice that you can apply today. My guest is from Mulberry, Florida, near Tampa. He is a podcaster, an author, and a pilot. He's also an avid learner who enjoys being active on LinkedIn. Please welcome Brian Brogdon, VP of Field Operations of the Southeastern Construction Maintenance to the Skill Stadium Podcast. Brian, during his free time, enjoys recreational flying. Brian, welcome to the Skill Stadium Podcast. How are you this morning, sir? Keith, it is so great to be here, to be be in the stadium with you. It's, it's such a neat thing you're doing to, to introduce people to skills trades. Yes. Brian, tell me, where have you, you know, you, you're a pilot, you enjoy flying. Are you flying just in the United States or have you been able to fly anywhere overseas? Where, where do you typically travel when you're flying? So currently, I've, I've just kept it close to home. The furthest I've been is from Lakeland to Ocala, which is okay. about a 60-mile flight. Uh, that's kind of cross countries, what, what we call it in the pilot world. But yeah, I haven't branched out very far. I do have a goal soon to, to cross one of the state lines, either go to Georgia or go to Alabama, just to kind of check that bucket list. So currently, just in my local area. Excellent. Excellent. Do you have to do a certain number of hours before you feel comfortable doing that or flights, flight hours, I guess? You know, it's not required, but yeah, I like to get more comfortable as I'm, I'm trying new things. So definitely gaining more experience helps uh, give you that confidence as it does with anything in life. Yes. Practice. Yes. Well, Brian, you know, you started off work as a welder and now you're a VP of field operations, which proves how important being a learner is. And that's something I pointed out in the introduction, just a sense that I get from the research I've done on you. How has making learning a priority for you affected your career in life? Wow. You know, for a guy that absolutely hated high school, you know, my parents divorced when I was 14 years old and I hated the world at that point. I, I went to five different high schools and I barely graduated. I had to do some community service hours to get the credits to graduate high school. Mm-hmm. Once, What I realized when I got in the construction industry is, man, I should have paid attention in high school. Because those things that they teach you in high school apply to life, but they don't, at least at my high school, they didn't show us that. They didn't show us how algebra applies to life. In fact, I asked my pre-algebra teacher one time, why do I need to know this to buy a loaf of bread and a gallon of milk? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, she didn't have an answer for me. And today, as an adult that's been in a career for a long time, I would have asked that smart aleck Brian, do you plan to buy milk and bread the rest of your life? (laughs) Because <laughs> there's so many things in life that, that don't have that, you know. And so I sit down the first time and I roll out a drawing and there's geometry. And I didn't, I didn't pay enough attention. So I had to relearn those things. And I realized how important those that high school education could be a platform. And that's why I volunteered to go back in the high schools to tell students, apply this, apply this geometry, apply this math. Hey, what about writing a bid letter? Man, when I realized I had to sit down and write a bid letter the first time to get a job, you realize how important English is and spelling and and 
correct paragraphs and understanding how to format a letter is all those things are very important. But construction taught me those things because I had to learn it to be able to do my job. Mm -hmm. I also believe, you know, educators, it's what separates maybe an average educator from an elite educator. And what I mean by that is I've spoken to educators who understand that it's important to build relationships with the corporate world so they can help better prepare their students to make that transition into the workforce. I believe those educators are most likely people who have done another job outside of education, or they just understand that process. They understand the purpose of what the big picture is for their students. What What's the end game? You know, past when the academics are done, how are they helping prepare them for getting into that workforce? So I think teachers, maybe, you know, from the generation, I know I probably came up around the same time as you. They just didn't do that back then. They were just like, learn this because we said so. You know, I came up in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, and it was a different world from the way educators are now. And obviously, there are always going to be exceptions. But yeah, that's kind of my take on that. Keith, I have to agree with that. And, and the school that I partner with today, the educator that's in there had absolutely worked in the field and is a cabinet maker, just one of those great guys. But we have a responsibility in this country to help our educators because they have a passion for educating. They have a passion for teaching. And some of them haven't had the experience of the outside world, but we need to partner with them and, and help them make the connection for those students. Because if you left high school, went to college and became a teacher, all you know is education. Yes. You're, you're a career educator. That's the only mm -hmm. thing you know. And that's nothing wrong with that, but that limits them and what they can teach from an experience standpoint. And that's where I love the partnerships of industry and education so that we can apply the connection piece to it. Teachers are wonderful, but they do need help from the outside to make the connection to industry. Definitely. And teachers do work hard and they've got a lot on their plate. So anytime we could support them and help them, I mean, it, most important job is educating our youth. I mean, there's not a lot of jobs that are more important than that, other than obviously making sure that you have a doctor to take care of you if a health issue comes up. So, you know, understood that partnership is so critical. You know, when you first started your career, what mentor had the biggest influence on you and what did you learn from them? Yeah. So the owner of the company I still work for today, he had the, the most impact on it, kind of took me under his wings and, and said, you got a lot of potential. In, in fact, one of the conversations, it's, it's a, a group of three brothers that run the business. And one of them pulled me to the side one day and said, you have a lot of aggression, Brian, but we have to harness that aggression for good. And so I, I use that today to talk to other people about, hey, you've got aggression, but harness that aggression and use it you know, systematically and not just flying off the handle with everyone. Mm -hmm. I agree. I would say, I, I have a saying, get you know, I, I think that I, I heard this from, I'm trying to remember, who's the coach of uh, University of Alabama? Saban. He was saying his job is to get the right people on the bus in the right seats and get the wrong people off the bus. So it's just understanding how to position people where they're successful. Now, you follow college football, University of Alabama, they rock, they kick, you know, they, they win a lot of championships. So obviously they've done something right. So I agree with you. I think it's just helping position people to where they can take advantage of their strengths. And I think one of the best things with the skilled trades is there's so many different paths and careers you can go. I didn't even know that before I started on this journey, but just from interviewing people like yourself, they've shared all the different career opportunities you can go on. And a lot of that is, you know, based on your skill sets and your interests. Without you know. a doubt. And if, if your listeners are not familiar with Skills USA, 
That's yes. an annual event, but it's also a, a group of young people that are leaders in in their respective careers. And they go and do a competition every year. I got to judge one year for the uh, carpentry and thousands of students come in from hairdressers to auto body mechanics, to welders, to carpenters, to plumbers, you name it. It's USA. Most skills are represented. And that's just a great program is, you know, just doing the same thing you and I have a passion for is to introduce people to skilled trades. I do want to back up. We were talking about education and career education. I think one of the things, and you said you're from my generation, so we'll probably have the same. They were pushing us to college so hard that that's yes. the only thing I thought education was for. Mm-hmm. It was like, I don't need this because I'm not going to college. Mm-hmm. And yet you need it for everything in life. And so yes. I think, and schools are doing a much better job of that today, recognizing college isn't for everyone. There are alternatives out there to become a very successful person in a rewarding career in trades and in other things besides college. College is one way, but there's a lot of college degrees that are very useless in industry. And, and that's just a fact. If you get a degree in basket weaving, there's not a whole lot of jobs for basket weaving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a friend of mine who, so I grew up in Canada and we had it a little bit of a different education system in that you went to high school to grade 11 and then you went to what was like a junior college for two years. And then you go to university, which is American college. And he did literally basket weaving classes in the junior college, got good grades, got into a high caliber university based on his grades and flunked out because he wasn't prepared for the rigors of university. Furthermore, he didn't have a focus on what he was going to do career wise. So it's it's not a question of just getting into a school, even though it was a good school. You know, what you're majoring in is more important. Like, what's the job you're going to do at the end of the day when you major in this field. And this is like, we're talking mid nineties when I graduated, like 94 and the market still, you had to have a relevant skills. You couldn't just say, Hey, I finished college, hire me. So what? Even when people were telling you college was so important and you were finished, I couldn't get a job until I got some more work experience and really had to, you know, I had to start at the bottom and work my way up. And so I say that just to say that it's no different today. You have to have, if you're going to college, it has to be a relevant, you know, like engineering, business, there's certain areas. Whereas when you're in a skilled trade, you're training for that job. You're training on the job. You're, you're doing the skills you're going to need. You're actually doing a job and you're getting paid. And a lot of people just don't understand that. And also the numbers, you look at what an electrician makes, they're paid well and they're not in debt, you know, so... I think it's just taking people time to understand, you know, that this is a real viable path. Yeah, Keith, I lost you for a minute there, but I I think you're talking about a skilled path and and how electricians are paid. You know, that's one of the things I encourage parents is don't tell your student that college is the only route because you can earn to learn. And and that's what that's what happens when when you get a skilled trade. Hey, forget the college debt. Forget the parents having to pay for school. This person can get into an apprenticeship program and they can make a check, a paycheck while they learn, mm-hmm. as opposed to paying to learn. Both of them have their, their advantages and disadvantages if you think it all through. But this is an opportunity for you to earn and learn and come away with a very rewarding career. As you said, man, the, the skilled tradespeople make really good money and, and comparable to someone that's educated in college. Now, it may take four years like it does in the school system to become a, a journeyman. It's someone that's mm-hmm. capable of making the highest wages and you got to earn your stripes. You know, I have twin boys that are 21 years old and they're coming up through the construction trades 
And I've told them, hey, you got to earn your stripes. It doesn't matter who daddy is. It matters yes. that you show the other team members that you can make it and you, you, you're going to be successful. I can't pass the welding test for them. I can't pass the, the fitting. I can't do those things. The journeyman things, they have to do them on their own. Oh, and, I but agree. once they come through that and what they've learned and what they've the knowledge they've gained that they can apply to a career, as you know, it's just bountiful. Yes. And the thing about journeyman that I learned is you can go work anywhere around the world which I think is amazing. And I always encourage young people, if you have the opportunity to see someplace outside of where you grow up, do it. If it doesn't work, you can always come back. You know, as, as I've lived some years and I'm older, one of the things that I wish I had done a little bit more of was being able to live maybe in a few different places or travel a little bit more. I think most people who are settled in who are middle-aged probably have things that they wish they'd done. And that's something that I think is a luxury for young people. It's it's something they can take advantage of. And the skill trades can allow them to do that. They can go make a good living. And then, like I said, see the world and travel. And it broadens their horizons. And, you know, there's not a lot of professions where you can just go work almost anywhere. Because, you know, construction in Europe is construction in America, I would imagine. You know, like a journeyman can go wherever they want to go. And they're going to make a good wage too. And so I learned that from somebody. I forget somebody was telling me that journeyman meant that they could just travel all over. So Yeah, that's the journey side of the journeyman, right? So you got to follow the work. Yeah. Wherever the work is, you go to it. And so I've been very successful, at, you know, rewarding things I've done. I've stood on a, a missile launch pad at, at NASA and wow. worked on the platforms, the cantilever platforms that go down to a rocket. So this career, Did you do that I, as a welder. Can you tell us a little bit about that? How, where, when were you doing that? So what we was, were doing some repairs to some platform. I'll tell you what happened. We sent over these platforms and we had drilled and tapped holes in, to hold some metal decking down. Well, mm-hmm. we, we did not clean up the metal shavings. So we had to remove those platforms, clean out the metal shavings because they could have been a problem for the rocket. They don't want any kind of contaminants. So yes. that was our job. We had to go in, pull up these decks remove these shavings, but we were standing on the very launch pad that these missiles launched from. So that's just nice. one of those cool things. We, we yeah. do have done a lot of work at Disney World. So there's things I can, you know, show other people, hey, we, we built that, you know, we worked on that. And so that's there's just, a lot just, of pride in that. A lot of rewarding things to see something. So take in the industrial world where we go and build these mines and these power plants, you start off with a green, a truly green field, a grass, pasture, this open field. And then out of it comes this industrial thing that produces either power or creates a product. And that's just very rewarding to know you were a part of that to make that project successful. Excellent. Excellent. So is there something going on right now that you're excited about that's coming up or something you're working on? Well, I have been working with the ACE Mentor Program for over eight years, and, and we're getting ready to start. This will be the ninth year of our program. What we do with the ACE Mentor Program, it's architectural construction and engineering. So I'm the C part of that equation. We have okay. chapters all over the United States that work in high schools. I work here in Central Florida at Bartow High School. And we go into the classroom with a 16-week program. And in that program, we teach the students about construction safety. We teach them about estimating. We teach them about scheduling, and I'm trying to think what else that's part of the project, scheduling, estimating, job safety. So we teach them the safety aspects, and we do all those things on a 16-week project that's typically like a virtual-type project, but they have to deliver a presentation as if they're going to be awarded this project. So there's four teams competing against each other, 
and they're trying to get the judges to think they're the best company, if you will, to go forward with this project. So it's kind of like a pre-bid situation, and they're showing that they have the best qualifications. Their team has done the best schedule, the best budget, and show that to a group of panelists, judges, that decide what the best team is. Now, as mentors, we've been working with them for the 16 weeks. You mm-hmm. know, we, we're kind of, a, we got to stand by the side and watch how it goes because, you know, we don't sure. want to bias judges, but it's yes. just a lot of fun. And, and then we reward, we give out scholarships. So for your oh, listeners, nice. if you're, if you're not involved with the ACE mentor program, that's something I would definitely recommend. Again, it's something very rewarding. I've seen a lot of students come as a freshman. They couldn't get up in front of the class and speak. And by their uh, senior year, they were making awesome presentations and confident in themselves and then going on either to college or trades in the construction field. And we offer scholarships for that. Brian, what age can they get involved in this? So how can they go and get involved in ACE, the ACE program? I heard you mentioned high school. Yeah. So it's definitely high school students and some programs go freshman to senior. Our our program does other programs limit it to juniors and seniors. So it depends on which, which area you're in, but there's at this point, I think there's hundreds of chapters across the United States and just, just look in your local area, you know, go to acementor.org and you can find if there's a chapter in your state. Hey, if there's not one, do what I did, start one. There you go. All right. Now, should the educators take the lead on this or students take the lead on on contacting the program to get it involved in your school? It would be the educators and more specifically, you got to have sponsors. So construction companies, engineering firms, architectural firms, those type of people need to be involved to be the mentors, but also to do the fundraising aspect, to raise money, to give out scholarships. Okay. All right. So folks, if you're listening, what Brian just shared is extremely valuable. The ACE mentor program, the process is you want to partner with a local construction company or local skill trade company that could do the sponsorship and work in conjunction with your, uh, maybe your principal and your teachers. So this is a, a great program that you can, if it, if they don't have a chapter in your city that you can get started on, but again, reach out to acementor.com and acementor.org, O-R-G. acementor.org, excuse me, acementor.org. I will actually have that information in the notes of the uh, podcast notes so that folks can uh, check it out. Brian, I know you're a podcaster. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast? I will. So the podcast came from, everything has the foundation of construction. So I was working with these high school students and having a good time learning and growing, develop these students. And I said, well, man, if I'd like this so much, why don't I continue to do this with older people and people middle-aged like myself and, and, and sure. help them with their careers and that. And so we began the Build Your Success podcast. And so at Build Your Success, we bring on leadership type folks from different industries. We talk to them about what leadership means to them, how they become a successful leader, how they built successful teams, and just ways to grow and develop yourself and others. And so I'm up to episode 116 now. Nice. So we've been doing a little over two years. We do weekly podcast episodes and just had a lot of fun and met a lot of awesome people and learned a lot. So as you said, I'm now a lifelong learner. The guy that hated high school now now loves to learn. But you know what it is? I think you're learning with a purpose now. Like you're learning under your terms. And when you're doing that, you're also learning stuff that you're interested in. And naturally you're going to do, I hated learning in school. I wasn't a great student, but as I got older and I started seeing the purpose of what I was learning and I understood that, then I took more of an interest in it. I'm pretty sure it's the same for you. You know, like 
you change. You're not the same man you were in high school as you are now. Like we all evolve, right? Thank That's God. Exactly right. <laughs> Thankfully, we're not, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so tell me, what do you like the most about podcasting? I always like to ask this for other podcasters what they enjoy. Well, just meeting new people and hearing yes. their, you know, th there's no definition of success. So the name of my podcast is Build Your Success, but there's no yes. single answer for that. Everyone is very unique in their identities. You know, we all have unique thumbprints, fingerprints. We all have unique facial characteristics. And we also yes. have a unique definition of success. It's not always about money like a lot of people think. There's a lot of other things that, that are part of your success. And so getting people's varied opinions on how they do it, what they do it, and then just recognizing it's different for everyone. So, so don't oh, expect you to be fit into a, a pigeonhole into a single way of doing things. Everybody's success is different and getting there, you get there different ways, different avenues. No, I agree hundred percent. I have to agree with you. I enjoy the most thing I enjoy about podcasting is I've met some great people, built some fantastic relationships and learned a lot, you know? And so every episode is a, is a different experience. It's gotten better when you're able to talk to the people before you do the podcast. So I've learned that as that's a real asset to, um, I've had a conversation with somebody before than just getting on a podcast and start figuring them out. And then, you know, obviously you do your research, that helps. But I, I just have found that to be uh, just to be really enjoyable. You know, it's just like to me, if you're laughing and you're smiling, it's a good podcast. It's been successful. So that's how I see it. So, Brian, tell us, you know, how do we get parents and educators to support young people pursuing careers in the skilled trades? Because I see that as an obstacle because I talk to a lot of parents and a lot of them, majority of them are pushing college and some of those kids, some kids where I get it for some, there are others who are like, ooh, that, you know, that might not be a good move. Yeah. So Keith, you said it earlier, but, but they, you feel as, as a young person, you feel forced into education. And if we could help them and listen to what their needs are, you know, the student, mm -hmm. you know, Hey, they're, de they're a developing young person at this point. And, and mm -hmm. what are their needs? What are their desires? What are their wants? And mm -hmm. really listen, not, not, steer them in the direction you want them to go, not what, not what you have defined as success, but what, what do they enjoy? What are they passionate about? If, if you can find someone's passion, you can find their purpose and you can have them you know, get steered in a way that they're go they want to do. You know, anytime someone volunteers for something, they're very passionate about it. Anytime yes. someone's forced to do something, they're going to res re resist. And so mm -hmm. if we could listen to young people and try to understand, is college right for this student? It may not be. And so they can't all fit into the same funnel, which is the college funnel. Yes. Look at them and say, hey, do they like working with their hands? Are they results oriented? Do they like to see things come to fruition? Those students need to try some technical. And maybe they try technical for two years and don't like it and decide to go to college. That's, that's another way. It's, a, it's just an opportunity to find out more about what the student wants as opposed to what the parents and the educators want. I agree. I agree. I also feel like sometimes parents push these decisions for social reasons, because they want, you know, I've seen people on Facebook post, oh, my son or my daughter got into this college. They seem more excited about just the fact that they got in, that they're making that announcement seems to be the highlight of, they care more about the announcement and letting people know. Just that's the sense I get from, from, from listening to them as opposed to saying, hey, my child is doing this great program that they love and they enjoy, and that's a great fit for them. That would make a little bit more sense than to be able to just say, oh, they got into this college. So um, 
I would say pay attention to where you spend your free time. Like if I went and looked on your browser, on your internet browser, that would tell me a lot about who you are, what you do, because what you go spend your time on is what you're interested in. I mean, I have young kids, they're 13 and 11, and I'm always looking at that. Like, what do you enjoy doing? Why do you enjoy it? It's just, you got to start asking questions. Why are you doing that? What do you like about it? What, you know, like, and, and I think that's no different with young people, even as they get older, you know, they're just patterns. You're going to see things if you're observant. I mean, you're a parent, so I'm sure you saw things in your sons where, you know, your twin boys, where you just saw that they had interest in certain things, I'm sure. And, you know, your job, I guess, is to steer them in whatever they're interested in and where their gifts and strengths are. 100% correct. And and one of the things you, you said reminded me, you know, the, the, the college pipeline is actually busted. Parents and, and, and teachers are really excited when they, they do get accepted. However, if you'll look a little further down the road, they either don't make the grades and get kicked out or they quit at high yes. numbers. I mean, I, I don't remember yes. the statistics, but, but it's dumbfounding the number of people that enter college and never finish. I heard and that. So yes, I have. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a huge percentage. And so, yeah. you know, all parents need to consider that. You know, yeah. you may invest a ton of money for two years and don't get the results you were after. Yeah, and, and the challenge with that, too, is that money's gone. It's gone. And now you're starting over in debt. You're worse off than had you had you stayed home because at least you <laughs> – you didn't lose the money. It's like you just spent whatever, you know, if it's 20000 a year, the $40,000 two-year experiment that you probably could have figured out before if you'd just done a little bit more homework, paid a little bit more attention, you know, because right. I don't know. As parents, you should know your kids. You should know your kids well enough at that stage to kind of know, oh, eh, this might work or this might not. I would imagine, unless you just really just, you just missed it, you know. So, but yeah, we, you know, we're, we're also from a generation that, you know, we didn't grow up on social media. One of the things I, I noticed is that social media is having a pretty big impact. How has it impacted the work and how you connect with people? Yeah. So I originally with the whole social media craze was going on, I didn't want anything to do with it, to be honest with you. And then okay. I, I got on LinkedIn and I said, I'm only going to connect with people I know. So I've, mm -hmm. I limited myself to people I knew or people that worked at companies I did work for. That was my initial. Well, then sure. I got involved with this ACE mentor program and I needed mentors. Mm -hmm. And when you need mentors, you need to have a, a broader audience. And so I started using social media to promote the need for mentors. But then I realized how powerful a tool it is and how many connections you can make. And, and today I really enjoy using LinkedIn as a tool not only to network, but I find clients that way. You know, when I'm looking on there, this person could be a client. Let's do it. Let's do a conversation. And then we, we may or may not do work for them. But yeah, the social media is, is a huge aspect. I think it can be a time killer if you don't use it as a tool. Yes, it can agree. be a distraction. So you need to set yes. aside appropriate amounts of time to utilize the tool, not to let the tool overwork you. I agree. I agree 100%. I also think that the advantage that we have is we came up in a generation where You'd go and shake somebody's hand. You built a relationship. You knew you'd communicate. It was like I was joking with my wife and saying, you know, how these young people are going to have a hard time building relationships because they're used to doing everything online, as opposed to I came up in a generation where I didn't meet my wife online. I had to walk up to her, talk to her, have a conversation. I think that's the advantage our generation has because we have to, we're not building a relationship, shaking hands with somebody is not foreign to us. You know, it's not foreign to us to go meet somebody and sit down to have coffee or 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 a meal to get to know that person. 
that is still, I believe, very relevant today. I think social media, to me, the way I use it, I use it to do my research, connect with person, but I don't think it substitutes the traditional build that relationship, you know, and, and talk to people and get to know them as a person. That's that's the way I think see the advantage for older folks like ourselves, because we still have that skill set. We definitely have that advantage. And the young people could have the advantage if they use the tools like we're using today, some video conferencing, Zooming, to make relationships across the globe. I mean, you yes. can really make some relationships, but it, but it's not one-liners. It's not zingers that you're shooting back and forth with each other. Yes. It's, it's connection where we're having a conversation, a discussion. We're learning from each other and growing and developing each other. And it's it's not a one-way street. You know, I want to see your stadium and your platform grow. And so yes. I'm going to be a part of that now that now that we know each other and we've got a relationship going. So I think yes. there are some advantages we have, and there's some definite advantage if the young people will take advantage of that they're more technology savvy than we are. They 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 can actually do some great things too. I got some some high hopes for the next generations. Definitely, definitely. Well, speaking of high hopes, in your industry, how do you what's the profile of an elite performer? What do they do different? Because I think that's important for people to know if, as they're going in the industry, especially if they, who doesn't want to be an elite performer or, or do a good job? How do you measure that? How do you say this person is, a, is an elite performer in your industry, in the construction industry? So it's, it's real simple in the in construction industry. Show up and volunteer to take the next step. Don't wait to be dragged along to your next step. Ask your supervisor, ask the, the team, what can I do to grow and develop? And okay. when, when someone like sees that appetite for growth and de development, they're going to bring you along. They're going to they're going to join with you in that in that drive and help you take the next step. So I think this I mean, hey, today's society, just be here. Just just come to work. Just come yeah. work on time. Yeah. I've heard that. I've heard just, that. <laughs> just please, you know, it's it's you know, I like to tell employees. We hired you because we needed you. We didn't, mm. we didn't hire you because we needed you to stay at home or come in at 10 o'clock in the morning, come when you feel like it. There is a role here that we had to fulfill, and, and you were hired to fill that role. And if you're not here, the role is not being filled. And so that's one thing. You know, and very, very, I know it's hard, but please show up. And then the second thing is just be, be ready. Volunteer for the next step. Hey, hey, today I'm a laborer. What do I have to do to become a craftsman? What do I have to do to become a supervisor? What do I have to become to do to become a manager? You know, those type things. Have a list and, and be prepared. Hey, within two years, I want to do this. Within three years, I want to make this goal. Set and achieve goals. And, and that'll be just huge. John Maxwell, who I'm a coach, trainer, speaker with, likes to talk about big mo, momentum. And once you yes. start on that path, you, you'll just grow exponentially. And I've, I've seen some young people, man, in five years become – a manager because mm -hmm. they were they were clear and concise with how they were going to do it and and showing up and volunteering for the next step. I agree. I agree 100%. No, that's great advice. And people are willing to help. You know, like people are willing to help if you if you put it out there. So, yeah. Can you also share three resources that can help young people who are thinking of going into construction? So, one of the things that I that I recommend to any people that are listening students is the build let's see it's uh, build your future. So Build Your Future campaign is done by the NCCER, and that's the National Construction uh, Council for Construction Education Resources. 
Um, it's based here in Florida. It began at the University of Florida, but it's expanded now to its own entity. It's sponsored by several contractors, and it is one of the curriculums for trades. But they have the Build Your Future campaign that'll tell you what a person makes that does this job. So pipe fitter, what does a pipe fitter make? What does a welder make? You know, the average salaries of these type of workers. And it's not reserved for young men. I mean, that's the other message we got to get out there. There's young ladies that are excelling in, in the construction industry. And what does a project manager make? So you said earlier about all the different craft, but you know what? There's accountants that work for construction companies. There's lawyers that work for construction companies. There's all these different trades that, that you think of that are very professional. Some nurses work as construction safety representatives and, and are at the job site to do first aid treatment on, on construction workers. So there's a huge opportunity in construction for various types of people. And, and what that uh, Build Your Future campaign does is shows you what the potential is and connect the dots of how to get there. Excellent. I'd also add acementor.org. Yeah, that's a fact too. That's for the high school students to get exposed to the trades and the and the engineering and the and the professional services. Ace Mentor is another great resource. Definitely, definitely. Well, Brian, final question. Share a lesson that you've learned that can help a young person who's just getting started in your industry. You know, the one thing that that I've learned is is to read and gain knowledge from other people. So I understand when people leave high school and people leave college. It falls off by like 90%. People don't pick up another book. That's crazy. You know, pick up some books, learn from other people, find something you're interested in, read those things and learn from those things and grow and develop yourself. It's it's very important. Just be on a, on a path of continual learning. You know, they like to say that uh, leaders are readers. And yes. so I think if we can get people to, to learn to, to pick up self-help books, there, a lot of people now are going to 100 page books. That's great. That's small. You can you can adapt to it really easy and read it. And so I think that's something that young people need to realize is don't stop reading after you get out of school. Excellent. Great advice. Well, Brian, I really appreciate you being a guest on the Skill Stadium podcast. Thank you so much. Wish you continued success with your business. Happy to put your information in the notes. Do you want to share? Can you share your company and how people can find you or learn about your business? Yeah, so the business I'll share with your listeners is my consulting business. It's Build Consulting, and we, what we do is do training and teamwork development with communication training, DISC training, so people personality profiles and all those things. You can find that at buildcs.net, and so that's what we do to help grow and develop people. I tell people I've been building buildings my whole career. Now I'm building people. Excellent work. Excellent work, Brian. And we will make sure that all of Brian's information will be in the podcast notes. Brian, thank you so much for your time. You have a fantastic day. You do the same. Thanks, Keith, for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast.